Welcome to the Root of Power podcast, where I teach you how to chase your joy, find alignment, and create a life and a business that you love using actionable methods, interviews, and inspiring stories from people who know that true freedom is found within. I'm your host, your always hype woman and sometimes ass kicker, Amanda Chills, and I am so proud of you for choosing to step into your power. Come along, we've got dreams to build. Okay, my love, I have put everything that I offer for free on one page so that we are not doing more work than we have to because why would we do that? Hashtag work smarter, not harder. So livemyhappyhealth.com slash free. You are going to find everything I've created for not only leveling up in your personal life and building a life that you love, but leveling up in your business life and building a business that you love. Okay livemyhappyhealth.com slash free. Love you. Hello. So my cousin Aliana has a saying that um, when we do something silly, she goes pretty first and smart second. Um, I just did that. I This is the second time I'm recording this episode because the first time I didn't even plug in my mic. I didn't turn it on. <laughs> Nothing. So... So we here we are round two. I was pretty first and smart second about a minute ago, um, but we are good now. So, so the intention for this series and the intention for today's episode is to help more people figure out what therapy is like. So if they're wanting to do it, but they're not really sure, they don't have a lot of exposure, then ta-da, this will give you lots of information and exposure. So I am going to take you through my intake process. Um, Because any client I've ever had who doesn't have a lot of experience with therapy, i.e. like has not seen multiple therapists, they are very, very nervous for the intake, which is completely normal, right? Like you're meeting a stranger who you're going to tell many things to that perhaps you've never told anyone. And that can be really nerve wracking. So like, I totally hear that. Um, So let me walk you through the intake process. So for most of um, my clients, by the time they come to me, they have either gotten lucky and like called us first, which we love that, or they've, you know, typically if you're like looking for something, you reach out to multiple people and then kind of see who responds and and go from there. What I have found, at least in my area, is that um, therapists don't, other therapists don't call people back, which is really strange because to me, if someone is reaching out, um, probably after exhausting many other options and they're reaching out and you just don't call them back. Like, what are, what, what are you doing? Like, it makes no sense to me. It's just very, very confusing that a therapist knowing how much courage it takes to reach out to someone to ask for help just doesn't call people back. Like it, it's just very bizarre to me. Also, like, how do you run a business? Do you want to continue running your business? I really like, it's just very, very confusing. So Sometimes by the time people have gotten to us, um, to me and my team, they've called multiple people. People haven't called them back, um, which totally sucks, right? Like here they are reaching out for help and then getting ghosted. That is not okay. So they, you know, call us. I screen them. I say, um, that process looks like me saying, hey, like, you know, give me a little bit of a rundown about what's going on. Like what made you reach out? What what be happening? Okay. And so then they tell me what be happening. 
And I ask them, you know, have you ever done therapy before? And even if they say yes, I say, okay, great. So we have some experience with like the structure of therapy, but we run it pretty differently. So I tell them, and I will tell you like the way that we run therapy is not normal in the industry, but I will die on the hill that the way that we run it should be the standard. So our entire goal is to get people to fire us. That's the whole point of therapy. If you follow me on Instagram, you have perhaps seen me say like, I just got fired by a client. And some people are like, oh no, that's so terrible. And I'm like, no, no, like that's the, <laughs> that's the point. Like I want people to fire me. I want people to get to the point where they're like, I don't need you anymore. Goodbye. Yes, correct. That's the whole point of therapy. So people do this with like coaches and consultants, right? Where like you bring a consultant in for a certain amount of time and then their work is done. You get what you need and you fire them for some reason. I don't really know why. Perhaps it's because therapists are kind of lumped in with medical professionals, but even all medical professionals, you're not seeing forever, right? Maybe like a primary care, but not like a specialist. You're not typically seeing forever unless you have a chronic health condition. Um, so a lot of people are very confused by that, but they're kind of excited. But I'm like, no, no, the point is that I want you to fire me. Like, that's the whole point. And they're like, oh, okay, I don't have to do this forever. And it's like, we don't technically have to do anything ever. But no, you do not have to do therapy forever, for sure. So I explained to them that like, we are very, very education based because it's a little hard to fire someone if you don't learn anything along the way. And I also tell them that we are not here to just listen. Any horse in a field can do that for you. And they're probably much better company than we are. Okay, like, and they're probably free. So if you just want someone to listen to you, go find a horse in a field and talk to them. They're much cheaper. So what we do is educate. We do a lot of education about trauma and how it sits on a nervous system, how it reprograms the brain, how it just what it does to a body, to thought patterns, to nervous systems, to, th to things like that. So we do a lot of education around nervous system, trauma, anxiety, you know, thought patterns, emotions, emotional embodiment, communication, boundaries, things like that, right? We are very, very skills-based because again, the point is that you fire us. That's, that's when you know you're done cooking. Okay. And so I tell them that and I tell them like sessions last an hour for us. Everyone starts either once a week or once every two weeks. And the grand scheme of things, it doesn't matter so much unless there's some like suicidality present. So if for us, if someone is having suicidal thoughts, we start them weekly and then sessions progress out from there. So if you start weekly, you'll go to bi-weekly every three weeks once a month, people sit at once a month for a while, and then they fire us. That is the progression that we run. And because it makes the most sense, right? As you get better, you're not needing weekly sessions. And the way that we run it is anyone who's helpful, who it would be helpful to bring like a partner, a parent, um, a child. I've done sessions between friends before. Like if there's an issue, let's work it out. Like work it out, work it out. Like we can do that. So I say like the sessions are open to whoever it would be helpful for you to bring. Obviously it's like helpful to have a game plan for that. But like if they roll up them and I'm like, okay, cool. Like, oh, I'll do what I can. What do you want? Um, then that's, then that's a thing. Right. And what, one of the things that really inspired me to um, do this episode is I had an intake yesterday and they were like, oh my God, I'm so nervous. I've never done it. They had done um, therapy through the VA. They're a veteran. And they were like, it was so like, I think I went to two and it was totally awful. And 
you know, whatever. And I was like, okay, cool. Like, let me walk you through this process. Um, so that's what I tell people on the screening, right? And then they get to the intake and I run the practice out of my farm. So we're like sitting outside. Um, I have my laptop because the intake is on the computer and we're typically under my, like, I have a really big pecan tree behind my house and it is like my favorite tree on the property and it's such a vibe. It's so pretty. Um, so we're sitting under there and Madge is with me, my dog and, you know, typically the, the chickens and roosters are running around screaming as they do. And like Puff Daddy, our turkey is around and Mama Bird, our other turkey is kind of around. Um, so there's just things, there's things to pay attention to. We're outside. And, um, so we do like the demographics, right? So an intake, they will get like your name, your birthday, your pronouns, um, your partner status. Are you married, divorced, separated, single, long-term partner, whatever, um, address, insurance, the typical things you would think of, right? And then we get into the actual intake, which is pretty structured. So I <laughs> like to start with the question, have you ever been arrested? Um, because one, it's really fun for me to hear what people say. And two, it throws people off guard. Um, so we need to know that for things like, you know, obviously if you have a felony that is going to impact your ability to work certain places. Um, if you have a law enforcement history, like there may be some other factors at play that are useful to know if you've ever been to prison or jail, like those things are very useful for, for us to know because it comes with, um, some pretty easily identifiable traumas or structures, right? So if someone's like, oh yeah, like I've been arrested, um, multiple times for driving without a license, like, okay, are there some like socioeconomic things going on there? Are we, you know, do we struggle to keep up with, um, renewals? Like what is going on there? So I usually start with, have you ever been arrested? Because it's also really fun when people say yes. And I'm like, oh my God, tell me more. Like I <laughs> love this shit. Um, so that's really fun. It's fun for me. Um, and then we'll go into, for me, the way that I ask the questions is I like to get the quicker questions out of the way first. So like, do you take any medications? Um, are, you, are there like any medical conditions I need to be aware of? So like there is a high crossover there's a high correlation of people who like have mental health struggles who have chronic health conditions. So do people have an autoimmune disorder? Um, is your, is your back fucked up? Like I've had clients who stand the majority of sessions because they can't really sit for that amount of time. Like, okay, great. Like do your thing. I don't care. Um, any like health conditions, are you going to faint on me? <laughs> like, Please don't do that. But like, let me know if that's a thing. Uh, it's like I had a client who had POTS who like, if she stood up too fast would, feel very lightheaded. So like that was something to keep in mind. Um, any like medical conditions that we need to be aware of, like a family history of uh, mental health. As, do you have like a crazy aunt or uncle? Um, any history of suicide, bipolar, schizophrenia in the family, like anything like that. Um, anxiety, depression, trauma, all the things, right? So there's that question. There's um, like, do you have any psychiatric history? Have you ever done therapy before? Have you ever been hospitalized? who's in your household. Um, so like some clients um, live with family, some clients live with a partner and children, some clients live with roommates. That's always useful to know. So we can kind of understand like the household dynamics. Um, who's in your life? Like who is your partner? What's your relationship history? If you're not currently partnered, which is a treasure trove of information. Okay, like that's where 
we're really like, I'm like, okay, let me get my hands in the spaghetti so that we can untangle it. Now we're not really doing that on an intake, right? So there's not enough time to really dig into the weeds of something with an intake. And also it's not very beneficial because on an intake, like you and I will have just met, right? Like you're meeting me for the first time. Typically it's nerve wracking. People are like, okay, I've never met you, but I'm supposed to tell you all my deep dark shit. Like (laughs) that can be very nerve wracking. I get it. Um, So there's not enough time to get into the weeds, but there is plenty of time to get like an overview of life. There's more than enough time to dig into the weeds later. So what our relationship history, current relationship dynamics, if they're partnered or unpartnered, um, are you poly? What's your sexual orientation? Are you trans? Um, what identities do you have? Are you a person of color? Are you LGBT? Are you neurodivergent? Um, are you immigrant? You know, any of those things are very, very useful to know and will be done in an intake. Um, so relationship history, do you have friends? is one that I ask all the time. Uh, Well, every time. And then if they are partnered, I I ask, do you like them? (laughs) Like, do you like your partner? And most people are like, yeah, like, of course I do. But you would be surprised how many people are like, no, not really. Like, I really don't. Um, Okay, like, that's very useful for me to know, right? Like, you don't like your partner, but here we are. Like, so my brain goes, why? Why are we here? Um, What do you do for work? Do you like what you do for work? What's your education level? Um, Are you in school, out of school? What does that look like? Do you like your job? How did we get there? Um, What's your family history? Are your parents alive? Are they around? Are they present? Do we like them? Um, What was your family, like your uh, nuclear family growing up? Like who was in your household growing up? Who were your caretakers? Not everybody was raised by their parents. Many, many people were raised by grandparents. we don't work a lot with foster youth, but that is something that, you know, we have dealt with. Um, what was that dynamic like? What were your parents like? So every time, obviously with parents, they say, oh, my, you know, my parents were together. They're still together now. And I ask, like, are they happy? Are your parents happily together? You maybe would be surprised the amount of people that say no. No, they're not happy. They really, they don't like each other. There was abuse present or there was, there was not abuse present, but there was a ton of screaming present. Um, how did your parents discipline you? Was it, you know, timeouts or was it you're getting hit with a belt multiple times? Like those are things that are very, very useful to know. What else do we cover? Um, any like trauma history, any like sexual assault history, things like that. And then we kind of go through that and that takes maybe like 25 minutes and, and I'm just typing as you're talking. I'm like, da, 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 whatever you say, I'm writing it down. Um, and then I say like, okay, what are we doing here? Like you've, you know, maybe had these issues for a long time. Like, why are we doing therapy now? And then not the interesting stuff, but then it comes out, oh, okay, this sparked it, this sparked it, this led to this, this is why I'm here. And so we get that history, right? So you're going to be giving people an overview history. And at this point, some things your therapist, well, I can only speak for us. What I do is I'm validating their experiences like, wow, yeah, that sounds like it was a lot or yeah, okay, like, I totally hear that. I Yeah, I I get why you're here. That was totally fucked. Um, Providing education where I can. So like, um, a lot of times I will say like, oh, yeah, that's a really common trauma response or oh, okay, yeah, like, I can totally see why you're experiencing anxiety over that or why you're experiencing overthinking. Um, 
yeah, that must have been really hard, right? So like there's relationship building in there where like I'm letting them know, hey, I get that. I hear you. I see that. Here's, you know, a mindset shift around that. Here's a language shift around that. Something I can do easily, quickly to get them a little bit of relief, um, to get you a little bit of relief. And then I explain that what I call like the intake spiel. So I will give it to you. So I explain that obviously they, you don't have to share everything during the intake. There is, again, plenty of time to get into the weeds. Um, share as much or as little as you like. I totally get that. Like, it's the first time we've met. So you don't trust me yet. That makes perfect sense. You're just meeting me. Um, the more I'm useful, the more you will trust me, which is, you know, that's how that happens. That's totally fine and very normal. Um, if I'm not a good fit, then like, let me know. It's, I don't give a shit, right? Like I want you to be with the person who is going to help you the most. And the most important thing is that you feel like you can jam with the person that you're seeing. Because if a disconnection is there, that's not going to work, right? Like the connection is the most, the most important thing. So I tell them like the way that my brain works with therapy is like every, um, like imagine a rainbow above your head. You're the client, imagine a rainbow above your head and every color is a theme. So it doesn't matter what you come with. It will hit one of those themes. Everybody's themes are different, but there's like 10 or 12 themes. So like boundaries, self-care, trauma, anxiety, depression, um, relationships, communication, things like that. I think that's only seven, but there's a few more. I just can't think of them off the top of my head. So it doesn't matter what you come and talk about. It will hit one of those themes. This is why um, sometimes we run across clients who are like, oh, well, you've never, like, I don't have children, for example. Um, I will not be having children. They are just not for me. So sometimes I'll have people say, well, I can't. I can't see you because you've never had children. So you won't understand any of this. And it's like, okay, that first of all, that's pretty narrow-minded and short-sighted. And it makes no sense, right? Like dealing with children is communication, boundaries, self-care, prioritizing relationship, um, raising good humans. Like those are themes where it's like, whether your kid is throwing a tantrum about starburst or they're overstimulated, like, it doesn't really matter because the theme is the same. Um, emotional regulation, emotional embodiment. The themes are the same. It doesn't matter what you come with. It will hit one of those themes. So if you imagine like a little meerkat in my brain, you know, the meerkat that like perks up out of the hole and it's like, whoop, like that's what my brain is doing. There's a meerkat in my brain the entire time that I'm talking. Um, well, the entire time that they're talking, that we're meeting. And when one of the themes lights up, let's say they say, oh, like I, you know, my coworker just keeps talking shit about me and there's nothing I can do about it. So I just, I just walk away and my meerkat is like, oh, fuck no, bitch. Like there are many things we can do about that. So that would be like a boundaries and communication theme. So my little meerkat perks up and it's like, whoop, whoop, whoop. that's the theme. Let's dig into that. And then we do. So it doesn't matter what you come with. It will hit one of those themes. And your therapist doesn't have to have had the same life experience in order to be helpful. I ran into this when I was um, first starting because I was young. I was like 26, I think. Yeah, I would have been 26. And people would be like, well, you're too young. You can't help me. And it's like, okay, that's dumb. But like, okay, <laughs> but it's not true, right? Like, the skills, the knowledge, the education, the experience that I have can help. Um, I don't have to have lived the exact same life as you. 
Um, so for example, I've never experienced um, like a rape or a sexual assault, but I have worked with met dozens of clients who have experienced sexual assault. And I'm very effective at working with um, people who have experienced that, even though I've never experienced it. So I don't have to have had the same experience as you in order to be helpful because remember, there's a rainbow above your head. Every color is a theme. And little meerkat in my brain has one job. And that job is to perk up when a theme is hit and then to dig into it. So the way that my brain works is also there's like kind of four of me in a session, right? So there's me here with you right now immediately. There's me floating above us, kind of like cross-legged Yoda style, figuring out like everything we've ever talked about all the important things, all the things that are noteworthy that we've ever talked about. So I can start recognizing patterns. Um, oh, this is also here. And this is because of this and things like that. And there's me in the past going like, okay, where were we? And then there's me in the future with the intention of getting you to where I'm getting you. Happy, thriving, healed, regulated, all the things. So there's kind of four of me in a session at, you know, the entire time. Um, I have a notebook. I, I don't write it down. It doesn't exist. So I always have a notebook with me. Um, some therapists do this. Some therapists don't. This is just what I and my team do. And so I explained to them the therapy process. Like the first 30% is very excavating heavy. It's very energy intensive because you are, you know, opening a closet full of angry birds that you've shoved down probably for a really long time. Not that that was the wrong thing to do, just that that's what, what happens. Um, and those birds are not happy. <laughs> so it's very energy intensive to wrangle a lot of birds and to dig through things that you have buried, but all of those things have energy attached to them. So it takes a lot of work. If you've ever like um, dug a hole with a shovel, okay, it's fucking tiring. If you've ever um, like plowed a field with an auger, I, an auger is like the whole thing. Anyway, when you're like gardening and you till soil, right? You like, uh, if you have a tiller, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's very labor intensive, the first 30%. Um, the first 30% is where like sometimes nightmares will show up, um, where things feel worse before they get better, but it's because people are opening doors energetically that they have had closed for a really long time. Um, so people will come and say like, you know, the first session I felt so good. And I'm like, yeah, great. We love that. And then they're like, okay, fuck, but now it's really hard. And it's like, yeah, great. We love that. That's actually what we want. So the first 30% is excavating work and a lot of education. Um, if you've ever watched a child learn to walk, it takes them like forever to be able to take the first few steps, right? Like forever. They're pulling themselves up on furniture. Their big old head be bouncing around and their balance totally sucks. And they're tripping and falling a lot. Like this is the first 30% of the process. I get very thirsty talking so much. So a lot of excavating work, a lot of education, a lot of rewiring um, because trauma creates thought patterns that are very helpful when there is danger present or there's chaos, not very helpful when, thing, when the environment gets better. Um, but those thought processes tend to get stuck. So we are doing a lot of rewiring, a lot of nervous system rewiring, a lot of language shifting. It's just the first 30% feels like drinking from a fire hose a little bit. And then like the next 30% is where we're taking, you know, the things that we've learned and starting to generalize them. So now the baby can walk a little bit. It's a lot better on um, flat, even surfaces, but it can walk on like, you know, it can walk outside and like up and down little hills. So it's starting to generalize that skill. 
you know, this um, specific way to communicate works with coworkers. It also works with partners. This um, regulating tool works at work. It also works at home. So like generalizing skills, like the next 30%, we're starting to get good at it. It no longer feels like drinking from a fire hose. We're more drinking from a garden hose, which is very exciting. Um, if nightmares are present, they will tend to go away during this time and like not really come back because we're now releasing um, things that had been buried for a really long time. And some conscious no longer needs to process when we're asleep. Some people are like, yay, no more nightmares. And I'm like, yes, I told you this would happen. Um, this is also when panic attacks will stop. So that doesn't tend to take very long. Panic attacks may come in the beginning because, again, you're opening a door that has not been opened in a long time. And energetically, that can be quite overwhelming. Um, relationships get better. Things just start falling into place, right? So that's this is kind of the space where things start falling into place. We have untangled a lot of spaghetti. And now things are nice, neat in a much more um, like waffle fashion, if you will. And then the last 30% is cruising. Things are good. These skills feel natural. You're mastering them. You feel competent. Um, when a situation comes up, you not only know how to handle it, you actually handle it with grace, with ease. Um, you start making your own connections. Like this is where clients will be like, oh, like I talk myself through it. I talk myself, well, talk myself through it is usually what they say. And I'm like, fuck yeah, like this is so dope. They're having their own insights. They're having epiphanies. They're bringing things together. The only reason that can happen is because the entire time I'm teaching you how to think. I'm not fixing you. I'm not, um, well, you're not broken, so there's nothing to fix. But what I'm doing is teaching you how to think, how to regulate your emotions, how to feel them, how to be in your body, how to be present, how to release thoughts and get out of thought spirals, how to... Think about things in a more useful way, how to manipulate your own energy to get more things done. Like, because I'm teaching people how to think, they then start to think for themselves. Okay. This is very different than what most therapists do, which is just listen. They don't do any of this shit, which is insane to me, but I only do what I do and my team does what we do. Um, so during the intake, all of this. Most of this is explained. I'm going more in depth now because I want you to know like what to expect from intake and also what to expect from therapy. Um, so during an intake, that all gets explained. You know, um, the rainbow above the head, um, confidentiality gets explained. People can get information out of me over my dead body. I do not turn over notes. Um, even if subpoenaed by a judge, what they're usually getting is a letter from me, um, not notes. Um, with anyone under 18, confidentiality with a parent is uh, different than confidentiality as an adult. Adults technically um, can access their child's record. It is at the discretion of a therapist. So like I have never turned them over. I will not be turning them over. Um, and our notes are written in a pretty vague way. So, so I explained confidentiality. Um, therapists are mandated reporters. Now, this varies by state. In North Carolina, it is child or elder abuse in the home and um, self, like planning to harm self or others. So that's all at discretion, right? So like I've had clients, I've had parents who um, hit their children, um, who hit them with belts, who do things like that. 
And I'm not immediately calling DSS and saying, you know, fuck this bitch up, like go get them, arrest them because that's not helpful. Right. Like I assume that it's an education gap. I don't, I assume that parents don't want to beat their kids. Now that would be different if they were like, I just love wailing on my kid. Like, okay, we have a very different conversation, but I've never had that. So most of the time or anytime I've experienced it, it's an education gap. They don't know what else to do. That was done to them and they literally don't know what else to do. So at that point, I prefer to educate rather than call CPS. Now we have called CPS on one family because they left us no other option. So let's, you know, so I explained to people, like, let's say, you are using physical force with kids. Like I will not go behind your back and call CPS. That is a coward's way. I'm not doing that. What I will do, if you're willing to do therapy, if you're willing to learn a different ways to educate and we can work on shifting that. There are a hundred other ways to discipline a child that is not using violence. And if they're like, yeah, okay, cool. Like I would like to learn that because I get so overwhelmed. I don't know what else to do. Like, great, then let's do that. And I tell them, I will never go behind your back to call CPS. What I will do is try and educate you. If you refuse to do that, I will call CPS and I will tell you that I'm calling CPS so that you are fully informed of the choice you are making. And that was what happened with the family that we, we called on. They got real mad, but I was like, you chose this. We gave you multiple opportunities to learn. You didn't want to do it. So yeah, we're calling CPS. Um, so that is mandated. Any elder abuse in the home, of course, like if they are caring for an elderly person or parent and they're having bed sores and they're not getting their medications and they're not eating and, you know, things like that, like that, again, the way that we run it is it's always a conversation first, usually multiple conversations. Let's get some education. Let's get some support. And then if they refuse to fix it, then it's a phone call. Um, and then CPS, DSS investigates as they do. And at that point, it's out of our hands. We just make the call. Um, suicidality, intent to harm self or others is different. I've never had a client say, I'm going to go kill this motherfucker. Um, if it were me, I would not tell my therapist that. <laughs> like, if that's my intention, I'm not saying shit. I'm just doing it. Um, so that's fine. We have had multiple clients who are suicidal, um, who have suicidal thoughts. For me, that is something to just work through. Um, I have very rarely seen a hospitalization be helpful um, other than to get a break, other than to get kind of a reset for a couple of days, but you risk being in there for seven to 10 days, um, especially if you're under an involuntary commitment, which is typically what will happen. Or you risk, you know, being in the ER for seven hours to only be sent home. Like it, it just rarely is helpful, which is not to say don't do it. Obviously speak with a provider, make your own decisions. But for me, um, I just prefer to have clients call and we can figure out a plan from there. Um, that happened last night. I had a client call and they were feeling suicidal. It took 10 minutes, got them calmed down. They love you, they are good. Um, so I explained to them that those are the things that we have to report within we have some discretion there. Um, so I tell them I have never hospitalized someone for suicidality. I don't plan to do that, but if it is extreme enough, I will do it, but it would have to be quite extreme. I also tell them, the way that so again this is a little bit different than how many practices run it many practices you have no access to your therapist outside of sessions i think that is so stupid so we don't run it that way because i'm the boss and i get to do what i want so i think that is so dumb if you hire a business coach you have access to them if you hire a consultant you have access to them 
people can message their doctors. Why would you not be able to message your therapist? It's, that just makes no sense to me. So we don't run it that way. I tell my clients, you have 24-7 access to me. If you have a question, if um, something really resonates with you, if you want to say, hey, this thing just happened, um, I want to talk about it next session, exit to me. I came across this really funny meme. <laughs> Great. Send them to me. Send me all the TikToks. Um, I have never had a client abuse that. Sometimes I'll have clients send like paragraphs of stuff, which like in that case, I'm just not reading it. Um, you'll work itself out or you'll call if it's that bad. Um, but there is 24-7 access to me, to the therapist on the team, because that is the right thing to do. If you are struggling, I am not going to have you call 911 because as much as I adore law enforcement, um, many of them are not trained in mental health. And if you look at statistics, many people who are killed by law enforcement are like they, they have mental health issues. So it's just not the safest option um, because I don't know who is responding to that call and I can't control who's responding to that call. It may be someone who's totally wonderful and has a lot of patience and has a lot of empathy and has a lot of training, which would be ideal. Um, and it may be someone who is not that way. So I'm not willing to risk my clients' lives, um, which is not to say that all law enforcement is terrible with mental health. That is not what I'm saying. There are many who are phenomenal, but I can't control who shows up to the scene. Um, and very often what they're going to do is just give them a ride to the hospital for them to sit there for six hours and then go home. Like, it just makes no sense to me. So my clients have 24-7 access to me. Um, I tell them to call, obviously, if something is wrong so that I can get back to them quickly. But I have clients text me throughout the day and it's totally fine. It takes, you know, two minutes to respond to. And even if I'm on vacation, right? So like I was in Italy in um, April of this year with my sister and I was sitting in Florence, uh, living the dream, eating pizza. Um, and I was like, yes, please get me an Italian sugar daddy so I can have uh, an apartment here or whatever sugar daddy wants to buy me an apartment in Florence. I don't care. Um, and, you know, one of the clients called and I was like, hey, sup? <laughs> what's going on? Like it took 10 minutes out of my day. Um, it's something that I believe is very useful. So that is how I run it. So I tell people at the intake, like you have 24 seven access to me. If you need me, call me, text me, beat me. If you want to reach me, we're doing it. Um, that's pretty much the gist. And then we schedule them the next session, either one week or two weeks later. Um, I get their insurance, of course, and put that in my little system and try and figure out their copay. <laughs> And then they go on their merry way and I see them in one week or two weeks. Um, so that is how I run an intake. And that is how the team runs an intake um, with some other information thrown in there. So like, that was a pretty, that was a whole episode. Um, so I hope that you find this valuable. And I hope that if you are thinking about therapy, I do have another episode called How to Find a Good Therapist. Um, please listen to that if you're thinking about therapy, because there are many who are wonderful and there are many who are garbage. Um, and I would like to save you the trouble of seeing someone who is terrible. Um, that episode also has some really interesting um, horror stories. So if you're nosy like me, like definitely you want to listen to that episode. Yeah. So that's the intake process. Um, oh, also everyone gets intake paperwork, of course, because cover your own assets. Um, we email ours. Some people do it, sign it electronically in the session. Some people do it paper in the session. Some people, once you schedule, are sent intake paperwork and then you don't see them and unless intake paperwork is signed. So it just depends on how the different practice runs it. That's pretty much the gist. So this will be a series that um, whatever it's useful to talk about with therapy uh, will be this part of this series. 
And I hope that this was useful for you. And if you're thinking about it, like obviously I'm a little biased, um, but I've seen what can happen with people who put in the work to grow and to heal. And if you are struggling right now um, and you're listening to this episode, I would assume that you're considering therapy or um, maybe you just listen to random podcast episodes. I don't know. Anyway, great. The work is worth it. Like the work works if you're doing the work. Um, and the freedom that you have on the other side is like, if you're in the middle of a hurricane, you cannot imagine how good it gets. Um, but I'm telling you, like, it, it is so, it's so much better than living in a hurricane and living in like trauma drama land. Um, so that's what to expect from an intake and, or at least from an intake with me or my team. Um, but I imagine it's pretty similar to other therapists. So have a beautiful day. And yeah, if you have questions, comments, um, I would love to know your thoughts. If this was useful to you, please consider leaving a five-star review. Um, it helps the podcast get in front of more people and then they know what to do and what to expect, which um, is quite useful. So, okay. Love that you're here. My sweet, darling little koi pond. Um, go have the most like awesome.